no more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. Maybe the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. This is Media and the End of the World. Thank you for sticking with us. We have some special guests for you to talk about what's happening in the media world. You may have heard of a little video operation and maybe a magazine and maybe a TV channel called Vice. Uh, You may have even heard of an organization called HBO. And we are lucky enough to have with us today a couple people who are kind of critical to those organizations and involved in their production. Uh, J.P. Olson is a producer uh, who works with HBO and works on pieces for Vice. And we're also lucky enough to have with us Joe Langford, who's one of the editors who works on uh, the work that they do. And uh, maybe I'll start off by uh, asking you, Joe, uh, how do you think about the way Vice does its job? How does it go about thinking about the kind of storytelling that it does? Um, well, they, I think that the thing that's always attracted to me, me to Vice, even prior to being employed by them and working for them, is, you know, when you see... A vice piece, you it's like you know it when you see it. It's it's oftentimes shocking, it's oftentimes something you never thought you'd be experiencing, and you know that they're getting some kind of access to something that no one else has really thought about doing. And or they tried to do and they couldn't. Mm. Well, I, but, I, I have to admit to being a, an enormous fan because <laughs> I, I've just, you know, I've, I, I grew up, um, I'm, I'm old enough to have remembered Vietnam on the TV and have watched, you know, kind of uh, local television news become sort of like not local and national news become sort of a very predictable thing. It's been underfunded. It doesn't really do international so well anymore because they don't have the resources for it. And just seeing Vice was such a breath of fresh air from an organization that seemed to kind of understand how to approach an audience differently. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they kind of really threw down the hammer with uh, their reporting in the early days. I mean, the first, I think most people's first experience with Vice was seeing the North Korea piece, uh, it, the first one that Shane Smith did. And first of all, it was just insane that he was in North Korea, but then he was also while there trying to film a documentary undercover as a tourist. And, it was a portrait of a country that was totally nuts and no one understood. And, but all at the same time, you know, like you're really just beginning to, to learn about a culture that has been, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, but no one really can tell you anything concrete. So, I mean, it was cool. And that's, that's when I got hooked, but I think that it's also evolved now. And, um, we try to do under recover under reported stories and things that are uh, uh, you know especially a very global view of the world. You know, in in some ways we have to almost turn our uh, attention back to America because there's so many stories here as well that are crazy. But you know, I think Vice made their hay in the beginning with looking at looking at the world in a very global way and like presenting that global view to young kids you know young young viewers and saying you know this is this can be our audience for for this stuff yeah we have a culture that sometimes can get a little bit 
uh, unrecognizing what the outside world actually means. And unfortunately for a lot of people who are Vice fans now, they were hitting it at exactly the time when, when coverage of things internationally was kind of in a very odd position. Uh, wasn't wasn't really working with the networks, and there was only a limited kind of effect because of what CNN did, and then Al Jazeera appeared for a bit and did really amazing international coverage, and then tried the Al Jazeera America thing, which came and went. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's so it's it's been interesting to see this kind of go back and forth. So what what's what strikes out to you, uh, JP, about? Uh, were you linked up with Vice? Well, you know, actually, just to follow up on what you were saying a moment ago, um, I was actually working um, at World News Tonight in uh, the mid-1990s, and uh, that was during the Bosnian War. And I remember distinctly a conversation that I was privy to where Peter Jennings, who was obviously running the broadcast at that point, and a number of producers were talking about covering the Bosnian war crimes, which ABC did very, very well, won numerous awards. It's also the point when ABC News went from the number one broadcast to the number two, it never recovered. And many people would say that the reason, you know, certainly internally, that the reason why um, the broadcast went from number one and slipped was because it was covering an international story. And it was ABC World News Tonight. And there was a whole sort of discussion going on at the time, like, why aren't we covering these international stories? And it was so, it was sort of sad to see in a commercial market where, there was some really good reporting going on, and but it, yet it couldn't find the audience for, for whatever reason. And obviously in that particular commercial endeavor, that's what drives everything. And, uh, you know, kind of segueing into, you know, my role with Vice as an employee of HBO and helping to work on that program from a sort of, uh, m- you know, managing administrative position. It's been a real joy for me to work with Vice because I'm a believer, as we all are, in, in covering international stories and that... You know, it's easy to become, uh, you know, those are expensive stories to do. And, you know, as I just mentioned, you know, there there are and have been, you know, very specific cases where you can see news organizations almost being punished by the market uh, for, for doing those kinds of stories. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, that I'm particularly proud of, and I know the people at Vice are, is that, uh, you know, we have a our own sort of economic ecosystem with HBO where we have a subscription base and that allows um, the kind of, uh, you know, uh, the kind of uh, financial support that it requires to do international stories. And there's very, very few of them uh, that are are doing it. And certainly it's, it's the days of, you know, world news tonight's in, in network are your and your by the day. And so, you know, to me, it's, again, it's, I, I love the aesthetic of vice, I get excited when I see the stories myself, but I'm also really proud of the fact that in past several years, we've done stories for the weekly program on HBO, on Yemen, uh, in Libya, in Syria, um, uh, you know, the list goes on, Indonesia, um, Congo, um, you know, Joe, help me out. There's more, but virtually any 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 place that you can think of, Antarctica, Antarctica, <laughs> um, and uh, others. Greenland. So, except we don't we don't get to fly to Antarctica as much because they cut the funding for the planes that were doing the ice measurements. Right? I think that's one of the things that's unfortunately gone away. Yeah, the Earth Science yeah, Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that that was an interesting thing that um that that Antarctica special and Vice focus on, which I had. I had the opportunity to edit that and uh, to just see how many resources were going into tracking uh, what was happening 
to the ice in Antarctica and see how they actually measured it and how it was very concrete and data-driven science. Uh, you know, I don't think most people understood how that how that even worked you know I, I don't know if my memory of that is absolutely accurate because i don't trust my own memory mm. as, as these things <laughs> happen but were they were they in that piece were they cutting from that to bangladesh to where the land was basically disappearing as the yeah, sea yeah. level rose that was brilliant <laughs> it was really nicely done yeah there was uh there were some low-lying uh parts of bangladesh which were experiencing um uh sea level rise um, and also erosion of their shorelines. So yeah, you're seeing the ice. Um, you're seeing the ice go, and then you're seeing where it's where the first impacts are being felt. So yeah, it was pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was su- such a striking contrast. Just the atmosphere of you know flying over Antarctica, and then you're standing where somebody's saying, "Yeah, my house used to be up over there." Yeah, and that's all water now. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. So. Um, so yeah, the, the international coverage I, I'm very impressed with. And also the, the, we talked about this, you know, I, I, I really, I have to say, we were talking about documentary earlier today too. Um, the, although the media environment's gotten much more complicated, access people have to stuff is just astounding. I mean, things we used to have to scramble for are now there, right? And so when I'm working with students here at the University of Oklahoma, they come in and they've seen documentary. They, you know, they they, they understand the form. They come in with an amazing, and they kind of take it for granted, unfortunately. You know, that's just, I don't mean to sound like 160 years old, but they just don't understand what it's like to not have that access and then to have it all of a sudden. And so I, you know, I do hope that they look at that and they look at what Vice is doing and in contrast to you know what the networks are doing, what CNN is doing, what other twenty four seven organizations are doing, and and begin to understand the differences. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a question. <laughs> yeah, there. I, was just, well, I, I, mean, just, it, I was just going off yeah. because I just think that <clears throat> when you were talking about the aesthetic of Vice, I think you know the way that the stories are approached is is so contrary to kind of the professionalism of normal network news that I'm sure you were, you know, working on at ABC. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it really is a different way of telling a story. And you could, if you were to take, you know, Al Jazeera or, or any other, you know, CNN and, you know, they're all doing good work. Um, but the style is very different and it's instantly identifiable and it's broken from the kind of tradition of the way that television has been, done and you know there's certainly there's no you know it's not as if the way that the networks are doing news now isn't established has to be this way forever a decision was made but like at this point there's a lot of ways to tell stories and i think that vice has you know been traditionally you know on the sort of you know bleeding edge cutting edge of how to tell stories um that are you know compelling but also um are giving you information in ways that you know you might be able to get them from a newspaper or a or a website or a or a network news broadcast but you're likely not going to see them presented in the way and the greenland uh documentary is a perfect example where i have a friend of mine who's actually uh writing a book about greenland now and as a science writer at the new york times and when i showed him that piece um he said you know it's really interesting i there are certain parts in this piece that no matter how i wrote it it would never have the same impact as what you see and i you know again i you know, I believe in good writing and I believe in good reporting, but there's something to be said for visuals that really bring home, uh, you know, a uh, complex idea in a way that's comprehensible for a large audience. And when that's done well, and it's not easy to do that, but when it's done well, it's very effective, very important, and uh, proud of doing it. 
Yeah, I mean, Greenland is um, the first piece I I ever cut uh, working at Vice, and it was a tremendous opportunity. I remember looking at the footage and being like, I've never, I've I've never cut anything this good in my life. You know, this is amazing. And um, I mean, the piece is extremely effective because it shows a problem on the ground, visual, and the science is there. And it's also like a buddy movie in the sense of uh, Shane and Dr. Box. They're going to go on a journey together. So, you know, Shane coming into it as, you know, the, the everyman. And then Dr. Box is like, hey, look, I'll show you where this is all sort of breaking apart and <laughs> happening very fast. And I think it's going to accelerate even faster. It's another uh, thing, you know, another thing that vice does well and i think other and when we talk about in contrast to other media organizations is you know you or the other film we're going to be showing tonight is called lost generation and we're dealing with a story that you know everybody knows a lot about the war in iraq and what's happened afterwards and the aftermath with um you know sectarian violence and then isis so the way i think that we're trying to tell the story is like through the eyes of kids who have witnessed it and there's something very emotional about tonight's piece. I was thinking about it on the way over here that it's like it's very it's it's effective because you actually you start to think about the war in terms of uh, like a 15 year old kid, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's something that we want to continue to try to do because, you know, those that's going to reach out to the younger people that are watching our stories and watching our, our films and, you know, and, and, they, and they're going to be able to understand the war in a new way, you know, cause when they, when the war was happening, a lot of them were too young to really grapple with it. So now they can sort of refresh themselves and what the aftermath is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of scary even thinking, you know, when I thought about the, uh, like the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, um, some of the refugees in Syria, some of the kids who have been basically out of school for years and are completely disconnected from their lives because of political circumstances that are no fault of their own. And that's that, you know, there's a price connected to that over the long term, I think. It's a very sad yeah. thing. Yeah, I think that's definitely the, 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 the underlying statement of the Iraq piece is that the, there's going to be a cost again uh, for this war. And we've already paid so much, but there's going to be continual costs. Mm hmm. Just to, to shift to something that's probably maybe a little bit more technical, but something we, we talked about when both of you were you know, very generously speaking to my students earlier today, um, you talked about music and the way music affects how you think about storytelling. And I was wondering if you could, and what, what, what I was interested in was that it, sound, it, was, it, it sounded like the way you were coming at it was somebody who listens to a lot of soundtracks and, <laughs> and goes, I can use this. This piece does this thing visually. And, it was sort of, and, and so I was really, really curious how you end up evolving into thinking about um, and using it to help support the standard that you have in terms of producing pieces for Vice. Well, I mean, I've never been against lifting uh, other people's great ideas. <laughs> what's a, you know, it's one of my one of my what's a, I think it's a Picasso quote: "Good artists borrow, great artists steal." Yeah. And there's a, there's actually there is a there's that carved into a rock, and Banksy took it and scratched out Picasso and wrote Banksy. Yeah, oh, that's piece. great. Yeah. Logistic. I think Warhol said, uh, "Art is what you can get away with." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I love as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you think about, I mean, how does, at what point, like when you're working on a piece, at what point does music become an important element for, for how you're thinking about how the piece is going to come together, Joe? I think it's the first thing. I mean, I, I mean, I'll always think about music. I, 
I'll, I'll uh, be watching footage, raw footage, and making selects and sort of going through, and then something in the footage will strike me, and I immediately have to start looking for a mu- piece of music that's going to fit that moment. And even even though it's maybe sometimes it is the music that ultimately ends up in the in the piece, but sometimes it's just to get me through this this emotional response I'm having, so I can now have music in there. And it reminds me of something, so I'll search, and then maybe it's I'm not finding what I'm quite looking for, but I get close, and that enables me to like keep going with the story. Then, mm-hmm. but I, I I know a lot of people that don't work that way, but it's it becomes pretty central for me. So I and also you know there's certain things scenes that will show up in our footage that trigger musical ideas from films I've seen. I used to work in a video store, so I've seen a lot of movies and I hope I can still have recall for some of the greater moments in these films. But that's, yeah, that's where it really comes from. I love love. how close we are to the point where we're going to have to explain (laughs) what a video store is to people because they're just not, you know, not a thing anymore. No, it's true. I mean, it's what it's, I, I like to say working in a video store was my, the best graduate school education I could have gotten film. But, uh, it's just because I, I watched so many movies at the time and uh, I also was able to live in New York City for making $10 an hour. They can't do that anymore either. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I did my video record store time too. Yeah. And it was like this incredibly indulgent time because it was also when film was becoming global. So you had all this stuff coming in from China and Hong Kong and Japan and it was and it was just this radically different way of telling stories. And it was just really kind of exciting when the boxes would come and you open them and go, yeah. I have I have no idea what this is, but I'm so excited to watch it. And and most of the time it was like really rewarding because it was just kind of breaking all of your normal expectations. Yeah, there used to be this video store on um what was it called? Uh it was like E and M Entertainment or something on on uh, 8th Avenue and 14th Street and we would always be like they always have the the newest releases a week early uh-huh. so we would go there and just buy up a bunch of stuff <laughs> it was crazy yeah, no, our favorite was the, there was this video store in Chicago it was on the north side and you would go in and they had everything they had all the boxes on the walls and they had numbers underneath them right yeah. and there was some kid who was like 16 sitting behind the counter and you walk through the store and you'd yell out uh, 2346 and he'd just go it's out and he did not have enough time to look at anything, right? He was just like, he just knew, which yeah. was really yeah. creepy. In fact, we thought that maybe he was just too lazy until he was so sick of you being there, he'd finally, like, get something for you. Outside <laughs> of that, everything else was checked out, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, so what, what's the... What, one of the things that I was kind of curious about also is that, you know, when you were talking about the standards for storytelling, JP, that go on advice, I think it's a really interesting problem that if you're doing something that's totally different from what's conventional, how do you figure out among a large collaborative bunch of people how to set a standard and have them hit that mark? Well, I mean, ultimately, that's that's Vice's call. And I mean, HBO's position and my position are to su- support Vice as a creative endeavor. Um, as an outside observer, I can tell that the, you know, the staff really are in sync with one another in terms of how they see stories. They may have disagreements about where they should go, but I think in general you don't, and Joe, tell me if this is wrong, but I don't think you last long advice if you don't fit into the the, the sort of common thinking of things. Like there's room for disagreement, but I think if you come in and you try to impose a certain kind of, storytelling standard that's not quite in keeping with the the way that vice has sort of developed over time 
it's just not going to work. It'd be like akin to joining a band and just saying, you know, no, I, I want to play trumpet. And it's like, well, we, we, we don't have trumpets <laughs> yeah. in this band, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, do you, do you buy that Joe? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I don't know if I would say it's like, uh, you know, you, if you, if you don't fit in, then it's not going to work. It's, it's more like you need to bring fresh ideas that are going to work. Um, you can't just come in and say, I'm going to make the greatest film ever about, um, I don't know, um, the financial crisis. And you're like, okay, well, who are we going to talk to? What are the scenes? What's the verite? How is this going to be any different than the amazing Frontline or the Alex Gibney film that came out mm-hmm. about the financial crisis? And you... You know, so you get people that swing for the fences sometimes, and which is, you know, you're encouraged to do, but yeah. you just have to be able to deliver on it. And sometimes thinking, uh, you know, keeping it simple is better in that, in those regards. If you get great access to like one good scene, you could build a film around that. And that's more of the model then we're going to conquer the world and take on every big subject. That's interesting because um, remember I was telling you when I was in Chicago and the Penelope Spheris was there and talking about this, she told this anecdote about John Cassavetes and his his filmmaking crew. And apparently they would, on, on some occasions, they would hang out, you know, drink a bunch and then decide, hey, let's have an argument and let's run the film. Let's film an argument. And so they would get steaming and then they would have some really dramatic improvisational knockdown drag out fight and then the next day or two or whatever they would look at the footage and they would build the film around that yeah fascinating like that's like I, that's the only time i'd ever heard people talk about creating a film in that way until right now so mm-hmm. thank you well i mean I just I learned it works every time but i mean i think that um when you go in front of development and executive producers and you say i have this great scene you know, they're going to want to know all about that mm. rather than, I have this great idea. I don't really know how I'm going to do it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example, I would say, one of the best films that we did last year was the trans youth story, which was a controversial subject in the media. And I love the way that the trans youth story unpacked the issue for literally anyone. If wherever Wherever you're coming at that issue, if you watch that film, you're going to be changed. Because you're dealing with the kids and what they, what their decision-making process is, what the families and the parents' decision-making process is, and how much adversity they face, and there's a lot of empathy. And they're looking at it also, you know, taking it through the medical lens, where it's like, so what happens when a kid wants to transition? Mm-hmm. And I just, like, was shocked because I'd never seen anything like it before. And I found, like, it was interesting because I was like, the fathers in that film are amazing because they're all like, they're all like, I I don't really know what's going on, but (laughs) you can totally relate what they were saying too, you know? Like, but I got to love my kid, you know? And and I think if I'm catching the drift, Joe, on this, in that that documentary, it has a cold open and there's a young child, um, Kai, and by, certainly by watching this child, by all accounts, any person would come to the conclusion that this is a young girl. But what you come to find that is, in fact, it's a young boy, and the mother um, has come to a point of understanding with her child that she's allowing her child to dress as a girl. And the first two or three minutes or so, 
it's not really clear. And then when it becomes clear, it's such a, again, to me, it's such a um, sort of signature uh, vice style is to have a scene that really lays out what you're going to see in a small way and is extended over the rest of the time, which is this incredible insight where you're like, okay, this, this is clearly a person um, in terms of the child is being exactly who this child needs to be and this parent has accepted him. But it's, we do not live in a world where that is the standard. And you come to find in the course of the film that these parents are up against all kinds of pressures internally and then obviously societal. And it's a very moving film. It's also available on, on YouTube. So I would urge people to watch that. Yeah. That it doesn't gloss over, you know, the, the standard argument about the, the issue. It's like, we're going to show you people that are going through it and, and you, you get to make your decision. So do you get uh, do you get blowback on pieces like that because it would seem to be the kind of thing that other people would find very kind of problematic or controversial? I mean we I mean I'm aware of the fact that there were people that that disagreed you know vehemently with that piece. Um you know did we get blowback like am I aware of like any particular you know instances that came where you know HBO was getting you know stinging letters from audience I'm not um, and it wouldn't change the way that we do things anyway. I mean, we felt like this was a was an important story, and it was told really responsibly, and frankly, in my opinion, very beautifully and very empathetically and thoughtfully. Um, but I know for for certain that uh, you know characters in that film that was not necessarily the easiest thing after that came out, which was saddening to me because of all of the things that you would think taken away from that piece would be that you would have greater understanding. Um, but that's not always the case. But, you know, I certainly haven't been, I haven't gotten the sense uh, that it became, you know, like a hue and a cry from the public. Um, yeah, I didn't get that sense either. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's kind of good to hear, but I think that's, I mean, one of the strengths of documentary and part of the reason that I love the form so much, this is, again, something you were talking about earlier today, is it's like this ability to see things that you couldn't see otherwise, that, that wouldn't yeah. be in front of you, wouldn't be part of your world, and it's just, you know, it's sometimes it feels a little pervy, you know, because you're, you know, because you're you're seeing things that, that yeah, yeah, yeah uh, where you're kind of the, the fourth wall person, but but at the same time, you know, there's just a, 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 a beauty and a connection that can come when it's really well-crafted pictures of people who are not like you mm-hmm. and that you can get to know through the medium like that. Yeah. It's all about increasing people's power of understanding. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I think you can make progress. Well, let me finish with one question about, because I think it, you know, one of the things that I get really interested in, in vice is kind of how cutting edge it is. So you've been cutting edge for a while, right? So how do you maintain that? How do you, this is sort of like, what's the future? You know, but mm. how do you, how do you maintain not becoming stale, not becoming sort of predictable? Well, from the HBO side, we started up with Vice and another partnership with the nightly news show, um, which I would urge people to watch because it's doing some of the best nightly news work that you're going to see. And it, it, it is an unusual news broadcast in a lot of respects, not just because it doesn't have a, a sort of traditional anchor, though that's noticeable, but even just in the the selection of the stories and the the way that stories are cast and the sort of, um, I guess, the willingness to do stories because they're just interesting. Um, so I think from, from, you know, the HBO perspective, part of it is is having this other broadcast that is advancing, you know, not only do you have now the Vice weekly documentary series, which has, you know, already proven itself to be attractive to an audience and and in some cases has really 
even, I'd like to think, change the culture. And then you have, uh, with Vice News Tonight, with the Charlottesville piece, definitely change the culture. So I feel like that's, you know, that's part of it. You know, can you do that? You know, you're not going to have a Charlottesville occur again and again and again. But when you have uh, different approaches to stories, different programs, um, you, it does allow you an ability to uh, to really try to rethink these forms. So I think that's, from my perspective, that would be a concrete example. But I know within Vice, there's just a galaxy of, I mean, it really is, it's an amazing place to visit because it's just, it's a incubator spaceship of young people who are just coming up with, <laughs> you know, new ways to think of things. And you can't help but be like exhilarated in that environment. But you know, I mean, Joe, I know you could speak to like, well, yeah, I mean, since the partnership with uh, HBO continues with, with the nightly show, you have a whole new group of people that are kind of coming into the company with a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different perspectives. And I do think the nightly show just by the nature of how quickly you guys have to make your content, uh, you, you are producing some really interesting stuff and breaking the rules in some really interesting ways. And everybody on our side of the fence, and there shouldn't even really be a fence, but it, and and it's kind of going away now, but we're looking at what you're doing. And I know, you know, Lightly is looking at what we're doing. So we're all kind of sharing beta with each other on how to tell these stories and where, where we're getting our good stories from. Uh, I think it's kind of great. I mean, it's kind of increased the, um, the excitement a little bit to have this other enterprise happening. And then of course, Charlottesville was, I mean, when you think about evolving, that's, if you can do a Charlottesville, that's a that's a true evolution in a news organization. Well, yeah, yeah, you'd suggested that Charlottesville was sort of like a you know not not happening often. I feel like we're in a world where it's happening like every day practically. <laughs> so, There's some really weird screwed up thing that that deserves the attention, and then tomorrow it's going to be another thing, which is you know kind of exhausting and exhilarating all at the same time. Yeah, I mean Charlottesville to me is sort of akin to Selma. Like people are going to remember that moment. You know, it's uh, it was a water. I mean, it was a watershed moment in our country's history, but it, for Vice, it was also a watershed yeah. moment. And I don't think we're anywhere near understanding what it meant. I mean, I think we're kind of working our way there, but it's so complex and so deeply historical, and it's just going to take hopefully a lot of patience on people's parts to eventually figure out what to make of it and how to correct from the the history that it presents. Yeah, I think. Well, thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it and appreciate your program. So thank you for doing that and, and making the uh, uh, world of news documentary and information the exciting thing it ought to be. So thank you. That was great. That went by yeah. fast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs>